Hi, this is Walter Koenig, and you're listening to TV Confidential. And Roberts, welcoming you back to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will begin our second hour by continuing a conversation that began last week with our friend Paul Robert Coyle. Paul is with us via Zoom. Paul's credits as a television writer and in some cases a story editor or producer in television include The Streets of San Francisco, Barnaby Jones, Simon and Simon, Xena, Warrior Princess, Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, many other TV series. We'll talk specifically about Paul's experience writing for Xena and Hercules in just a second. But first, Paul's memoir, Swords, Starships, and Superheroes, is the story of how a young boy from Providence, Rhode Island, not only decided when he was 14 years old that he wanted to write for television, but embarked on that journey when he was 18 years old and overcame several obstacles before making his first sale at age 23 and has remained one of the most reliable writers in television ever since. Sword Starships and Superheroes available in paperback and as an ebook through our friends at Jacobs Brown Media Group. You can also find it at Amazon.com, other online retailers. How did you come to write for Xena? Well, I came to write for Xena, as often happens, uh, through a recommendation for some other writer producers that I'd worked with a lot. Basically, in my career, I had a lot of, you know, Mike Piller led to a lot of work, both for himself and, and from other people that I was recommended to, and some other guys, George Skank and Frank Rodea, who I worked with the first on Crazy Like a Fox, where I was uh, on staff. Over the years, I worked with, for them again on various shows, and then they would recommend me to people. So I'd get calls. And at one point, they called and they said, a friend of ours, RJ uh, Stewart, is uh, running a new show, and he's looking for writers, and uh, would you like us to call him and recommend you? <laughs> I said, what's the name of the show? And they said, it's called Xena Warrior Princess. And I said, that, that sounds ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> By the way, I, I had almost the same reaction when somebody offered to introduce me to Chris Carter on a new show called X-Files. <laughs> I, I said, yeah, I don't think so, guys. <laughs> so, so I never got a second chance on that show. But yeah. on Xena, I, I mean, what happened was that, that was before the show was on the air. So obviously I didn't know anything about it other than the title which I had a knee-jerk, stupid reaction to. Right. Right? I did know that it was a spinoff of Hercules, which was already on the air, but I hadn't seen it. It was just something I didn't feel I was ever going to have an interest in. So, you know, you can't watch everything. So Hercules was a show I hadn't happened to have, to have caught yet at that point. But uh, what happened was six months later, Xena comes on the air. It's running for a while. Uh, it wasn't a hit yet, but I was starting to hear nice things about it. So I checked it out one day. I said, oh, here's a show that I... That RJ is uh, running. Uh, let me check it out. I watched a few minutes, and I said, "Oh, this is a goofy-looking show." But uh, you know, so I turned it off. And a week or two later, I tune in again, and I watch a you know a few more minutes, and then I watch a complete episode, and I'm hooked. I'm like, "This show is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's uh, unlike anything else on television." And all the, the Greek mythology with the, with the Cyclops and, and the giants and so forth stuff I loved as a kid. You know, I, I turned this show down, and now it's too late. You know, it's certainly too late for the first season. But I heard, you know, it was starting to gain momentum, and it was it was getting writ written about. When I heard that they were picked up for a second season, then I went calling my friends back and say, you know, that show of RJ's isn't half bad. Maybe, you know, you think he might still be looking for writers? And uh, I lucked out. I, I got a meeting. So from the second season on, you know, and that led to Hercules. But, uh, yes, <laughs> I missed an entire year of that show that I could have, 
been on from the first season because I stupidly had a negative reaction based on nothing but the title. Well, look, you are honest. You've always been honest throughout your career. You were very honest in, in talking about your career in your book, Paul. But it goes back to something we said when you visited us before the holidays. Your talent is going to see you through uh, throughout your career, but sometimes you need a break here and there. And you caught a break at the end of the first season of Xena when you went back and asked, is there an opening? And as it happens, there was an opening. And they, you know, you got a foot in the door and then you did the rest. But it's okay to be lucky sometimes. Yeah, luck, luck plays a big part in it, no doubt. And of course, I mean, I, you know, if, if I if they didn't like the job I did on that first episode, that would have been the end of it. Yeah. Luckily, you know, it worked out. And uh, as I talk about in the book, that's the one where Lucy Lawless fell off a horse uh, in Burbank shooting The Tonight Show and was seriously injured and hospitalized and had to be written out of Xena for the next batch of episodes. And my, <laughs> my first Xena was scheduled to shoot the very next episode, a week later. So uh, they might have shut down production briefly. I, I don't remember. But then the show must go on, right? So uh, they, they were back up and running. They said they called me in to do a rewrite, paid me all you know, from ground one again, saying we're going to make this a body swap episode. And Xena's enemy, Callisto, played by Hudson Lake, they had done a previous body swap episode. They said we're going to change the ending to that so they don't revert back to their regular bodies. So your episode is going to be Xena in the body of Hudson Lake, another actress. And she was happened to be a very popular actress on the show. So that uh, my first episode of Xena did not star Lucy Lawless. And, and yet I, it was a one-of-a-kind episode. I, I was very happy with the way it turned out. Uh, you know, we were all sorry that Lucy got hurt, but ultimately she was back up and running uh, a little further down the line. And my next, you know, I did three in a row that season. And by the, the next time uh, I had her back. So... The next, the second script that I did for Zena was going to be the first one that she was back to after her recuperation. So they said in the teaser, you know, write that she gets injured in a fight. That way, if she's limping in real life, we'll be able to incorporate that into the character. So that's what I did. But luckily, she was a trooper and she was, uh, you know, back up to full speed before very long. It was a -a one-of-a-kind script, the first uh, Zena you wrote, but it was also a -a one-of-a-kind experience as you alluded to in your response paul you got paid twice to write the same script (laughs) yeah yes and i you know when they called me in to you know i had been i had written it i had been paid i had given them a rewrite which is always due i I was paid in full and and went away and then uh, next thing i know this accident happens and then i'm called into the office and they lay out this story of how we're going to do the, the body swap and we're going to film it with Hudson. We just made the deal for her. So so I'm listening to all this and I'm saying, well, this is great. My show's going to be done after all. Why did they bother to call me in to tell me this? I didn't understand that they wanted me to do that emergency rewrite. Yeah. Normally that would be a story editor or a producer on board would do that. But they had a very small staff at Xena and they were all involved in other emergency scripts that they were all writing or working out with other freelancers for a series of uh, Lucy free episodes. So they presented to me, are you willing to, to write this over again? It was, it wasn't a whole lot of work because frankly, once you uh, wrote a new scene to reestablish the body swap and uh, to incorporate throughout the episode that uh, other people thought it was Callisto, but in, in her mind, it's really Xena and Gabrielle, her best friend knows it at Xena. That was basically a, uh, a polish. I mean, it's something that I, I took a few days with it, but I could have 
sat at the computer for one lengthy session and had done it all, and they paid me from the ground up. So I got paid, yes, the answer is I got paid twice to write one episode. That doesn't happen often, but... <laughs> well, as I say, when you have experiences like that, it kind of tempers the missed opportunities or the the occasional hassles or the occasional times when you have to fight for full credit. So again, on balance, it all kind of comes out in the wash, but it's nice to read that you had a lot of experiences like that too. Yeah, and uh, the general public, I guess, probably doesn't know that. And anybody you know wanting to go into the business of writing for television doesn't really know what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, so I hope this book is useful to people with who are thinking of careers in the field. It's not a big freelance market anyway, the way we used to be able to go from show to show because shows now are heavily staff-written. But the, the basics of writing an episode of a series are pretty much the same as they were 20, 30 years ago. So hope, I hope there are lessons to be learned by aspiring writers, in addition to the, the fans of these shows that are just interested in what went on behind the scenes in the, in the creation of the shows. You know, a lot of stuff has been written over the years from the point of view of the actors or things that go on on the set. And I, I talk a little about that, too, of course, because I, I was often involved in the, on the production end. But I, I wanted to talk primarily about the kinds of writers' experiences that I was interested in reading, you know, for hearing other writers talk about. And I'm hearing, you know, I'm getting good feedback from people who read it and seem to appreciate uh, those stories. Sword Starships and Superheroes from Star Trek to Xena to Hercules, a TV writer's life scripting the stories of heroes, includes many useful lessons on how to pursue a career as a writer, whether you want to write for television or whether you, you want to be a writer in any other form. Sword Starships and Superheroes available in paperback and as an ebook through our friends at Jacobs Brown Media Group. You can also find it at Amazon.com, other online Retailers, Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Both Xena and Hercules, the legendary journeys, were fun shows to watch, but it sounds like they were fun shows to work on. They were great shows to work on. They were hit shows at the time. Hercules was already a hit before Xena came along, and then Xena became a pop culture phenomenon, as you know. And it, uh, <laughs> cover of TV Guide, you know, for syndicated shows, these were equal, uh, I would say, network shows. They demanded a lot of respect. I, I think it, they were good credits. They were fun to, to work on behind the scenes. And I, I went on staff at Hercules, so I got much more heavily in, involved over there for the next two years, but continued to cross over to Zenith and, and did episodes where Lucy would guest star on our show. Or, or So I was equally involved in both of those shows for a period of two to three years. And I, another thing that I, I talk about is the politics that goes on behind the scenes at any show. There can be conflicts between uh, producers and network. We didn't have a network because we were syndicated, yeah. so we had studio. But the studio didn't really get involved. But kind of then in the second, toward the end, they did. They were becoming more involved. And then you got the relationships with the, with the stars of a show that sometimes uh, can be tricky, you know, not... <laughs> I have nothing terribly negative to say about uh, our, my experience, but on other shows in the past, as you've heard about dealing with nightmare actors, uh, you know, over the years, uh, you know, those stories. So a writer on staff gets caught up in, in that. To the most part, you try to don't pay any attention. Do the job you're hired to do. Do the script and make, try to make everybody happy. Yeah. Look, no two shows are the same. No two production staffs for shows are the same. But it's, it sounds like in the case of both Hercules and Xena, 
whereas some shows are micromanaged by the staff, scene by scene, beat by beat. It sounds like both with Hercules and Xena, once you got the basics of what you're asked to do, Paul, they let you go and write the story, and then you turned it in. Yes. And, well, that, that sounds simple enough. But then you turn it in, <laughs> and you have a meeting, and you get notes. And then you rewrite the story. And then you have another meeting, and this goes yeah. on forever. Yeah. Believe me, you can put the 10 drafts of just a story outline, you know, but before you even go to script. Yeah. That's typical. Sometimes it's a lot. You know what happens is if, if you get to prep the thing in three days, there's fewer and fewer meetings because they have to shoot it and move on to the next one. The more lead time you have, the more time there is to, for everybody to tinker. You got to get notes from everybody and uh, try to well, you try to make everybody happy. But there are some people on the chain. You know, our executive producer is more important to make happy than the story editor or whatever. But uh, you, you want everything to, to turn out uh, the, the best as possible, and that's life in television. Rewriting, rewriting more than writing. You can write the beat sheet or the outline over and over again. Same thing when you when you finally get to script, you'll rewrite the script a bunch of times over, and then at some point, somebody else may rewrite it. You know, it may be taken away from you, or or the or the showrunner might do a final production polish. That's typical, of course. By that point, as a staff writer, you will have moved on to your next story anyway, so it's kind of out of your hands to let it go. But yes, it was an overall. It was a great experience. Good people, uh, you know, separate staffs on Hercules and Xena, but the same executive producer, the same supervising producer. So there was a continuity between the two shows that I don't I don't think there are any two shows. I mean, for instance, today we've got NCIS and NCIS Los Angeles and NCIS New Orleans. Well, those are three totally separate shows. They're, they're you know, some of the same executive producer people, but um, they operate totally independent of one another. There's no interaction. Occasionally they might do a crossover episode between two of them. But those are three totally separate shows, and they might as well be called the different titles. Yeah. But in Hercules and Xena, we were a shared universe, and the shared writer-producers, and, and then toward the end, young Hercules, yet another spinoff came along starring Brian Gosling. Mm-hmm. I wasn't involved in that one, but that was uh, you know yet a third show that was sharing the same universe, all shooting in New Zealand, by the way, which provided a great look for the shows, unlike anything else on television at the time. And I got to go there, so... Um, so <laughs> I kind of missed having a show shooting in Hollywood. Up to that point, all the shows I had written, with the exception of that one in England, shot right here. So I was usually able to go by the set, hang out, you know, and go to Barnaby Jones, go to Chips or, or Simon and Simon, uh, whatever. On Hercules and Xena, I couldn't because the set was in New Zealand, halfway around the world. A 13-hour plane ride. But I wouldn't have it any other way. If the shows had shot in Hollywood or in Canada or anywhere else, they might have been hits, but I doubt they would have. You know, they you, you, you could not match the look. You could not match the natural exteriors that New Zealand brought to that show. No, it was beautiful. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about the, the quality, the look of the show. Yeah, and you mentioned, okay, it was a syndicated show, but it was syndicated in 170 countries at its peak. So that's, that's, in some respects, yeah. that's even better than networks because you get a huge... Oh, and look, we, we aired in prime time. You yeah. realize we aired in uh, the 8 and 9 o'clock on Saturday nights. And, uh, and that that was typical that Deep Space Nine had the you know similar time slots, prime time time slots. But then what happened around uh, 1999, I think, the WB network came into being, and they took over those uh, stations that had been airing syndicated shows in, in prime time. And suddenly the WB pushed all of those syndicated hours 
to time slots like two o'clock Saturday afternoons or one in the morning is, you know, Saturday night, Sunday a.m. That was the beginning of the end for all of these uh, kind of syndicated shows. <laughs> the audience wasn't there. I mean, sure, they could tape it and watch it at their leisure. But when we had the prime time shows, we were equal to network shows. Exactly, exactly. If, if, if I remember correctly, I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area at the time, but if I remember correctly, Herc and Xena were both airing at 9 o'clock. Like one was airing on a Thursday and the other was airing like on a Wednesday or something like that. But 9 o'clock, that's the peak hour in a prime time lineup. Everything builds towards that. So those are good time slots. Oh, they were great. Yeah. <laughs> and as I say, when we lost those time slots, it was the beginning of the end. Yeah. You know, I can see the writing on the wall then. Swords, starships, and superheroes from Star Trek to Xena and Hercules available in paperback and as an ebook through Jacobs Brown Media Group as well as Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Uh, let's see. You joined the staff of Hercules. Um, I think, what, in the third, either the third or fourth season. So the show was... Yeah, um, it was toward the end of the third season. Okay. Yes, that's right. They've already been on the air for a while. Okay. And you, you mentioned that even though you were pretty much given liberty, you know, whenever you you, you got the assignment to write um, this episode or that episode, I mean, every script gets notes from the producer or, in some cases, the star of the show because everyone has their input. And as we mentioned last time, by that point, you knew that, okay... Pay attention to notes. <laughs> the, well, I learned that lesson earlier in my career. You know, if you don't pay attention to the notes, uh, you don't get a second assignment on that show. Yeah. But so, uh, in the case of Kevin Sorbo, it's it's interesting because by this point, as we, okay, you joined the show towards the end of the third year. By this point, as the star of the show, in, in a lot of ways, you can argue that he knew the Hercules character better than anybody else because he lived and he breathed it and he added a lot of who he is as a person and as a, as a performer in it. But it sounds like even though he had a certain amount of sway into what the extent to which his weights carry note, it helped that he genuinely respected what writers did. And, and, um, he was very collaborative. It sounds like he was very collaborative in that respect. Yeah, he respected us. I mean, he had had a less than a great relationship with the previous showrunner on, on Hercules. That guy was came from the school of Hill Street Blues and L.A. Law. The, the written word does, does not get, you don't change a word that's from the script. But I always felt that a show like Hercules was looser. I mean, yeah. it's, it's always, <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're you're making the plot points that need to be made. I don't care if an actor's going to change a line or so forth. But anyway, that showrunner did not continue. So by the time I came onto the show, there was a, there was a new showrunner on there. We'll talk some more with Paul about working with Kevin Sorbo on Hercules and Lucy Lawless on Xena when we come back on TV Confidential. Buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life. But it doesn't have to be. And no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group. Their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 
886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontporchrealtygroup.com, for more information on the services they provide, including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com. Front Porch Realty Group. They'll find the solution that works best for you. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-917-2194. 800-917-2194. That's 800-917-2194. Want a free first ride with Uber? Uber, the mobile app that connects you with a ride at the touch of a button in minutes. Enter promo code TV Confidential after you download the app to receive your first free ride up to $20. For more information, Go to get.uber.com forward slash go forward slash TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.